Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. Chapter 1. We're going to definitely uh, pray for some people um, before we leave today. I'm I'm really just going to go back over what we taught last Sunday and really get into just the other parts of the scripture that we didn't get to so that we fully taught we're gonna we're, we're uh, in a series about the Holy Spirit and so today I'm gonna finish up um, uh, preaching on being empowered by the Holy Spirit and so uh, and we just want to uh, take the time to uh, pray and uh, those that um, those that want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit I'm not going to force you to come but um, uh, Miss Rosalind just got back what time did you get back? Do it now. A little bit after nine this morning. So what time did you leave? About a quarter to five. She drove back from Sarasota this morning to be here. And so uh, she got hands laid on her last night. You said you danced around with her in the altar. Is that correct? With Heidi Baker last night. So that realm of anointing is available in this room. You believe in impartation? Hallelujah. So... Um, Man, I felt like we were really close. I mean, I know that I'm talking about I felt the Lord, but I'm talking about we was really close to to a realm. You follow what I'm saying? And so a lot of people say, well, man, you know that that's wild. You know, if you come here this morning and say, my God, this church is wild. Matt sent me a clip um, one day last week it was, and I, I watched that clip, and I had Catherine to watch the clip. And it's just a little short uh, clip of... Um, uh, Bill Johnson telling a story about a man uh, playing uh, handball. You heard that story. Uh, so anyhow, this guy was a great athlete. Um, he uh, And he got in a car wreck, and he lost uh, one of his arms uh, due to a, a, just a bad um, car wreck. And so anyhow, he got into playing handball. And so handball is, I guess, something similar to racquetball, but you put a small piece of leather over your hand, and you slap the ball with your hand against the wall. So anyhow, and he won this, um, the uh, he won a tournament, I guess, at his own club. So his club actually entered him into um, a handball tournament, maybe like for state or something like that. So anyhow, he went on and he uh, defeated every one of his opponents, and he won it at the highest level you could win it. And so this interview, uh, this this interviewer wanted to find out, you know, how in the world could he compete at such a high level with his opponents having two arms, and he only had one arm. And he told the guy that that it was real simple. He said, "My opponent has options. He has to figure out which hand he wants to use." He said, "I only have one option." And Bill went on to tell a story about a guy that his church started begin to move in revival and just signs, wonders, and miracles, and people being hungry for God, people hungry for holiness. How I many knows holiness may not be popular now, but it's still God's standard. And, and so a lot of times when we see that, a lot of times there's a lot of pressure for the preacher to pull it back. You don't have to be all that crazy. You don't have to be that crazy. There's plenty of churches in this community that I promise you that are not that crazy. But in 1998, when I got touched with revival, I became crazy. Are you with me? And I'm telling you this, as for me and my house, me and that woman and our three boys, we're going to be crazy till the Lord returns. Are you with me now? 
I want revival. That's the only thing that's going to change America, friend. That's the only thing that's going to change a high school. It ain't no program. It ain't no Sunday school lesson. It's going to be the power of God invading that place. That's what changes lives. Are you with me? Got maybe about 10, 20 people in here that want it. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. I'm good, guys. We're going to save you strength right there because I'm going to need you to um, pray, okay? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna play it a minute right here. But I want to talk about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. So um, let me just say this, too. Uh, friend, I'm just trying to help us here. When the river's like that, you can stand 80 feet from the river and never get enough line to get your lure down in the river. Somebody said, well, I don't feel it like that. Well, sometimes when I'm at the back of the church, I don't feel it like that either. Y'all don't. I just don't want to leave and talk about what God was doing. I want to be in it. Hallelujah. We got to understand that New Testament preaching is not coming to church to hear the preacher preach. New Testament preaching was an explanation of what just took place in worship. Lord, help us, Jesus. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them... He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard, which was from me. I'm in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, which you, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let's look at it again. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Go back to the, uh, Luke's Gospel in verse 24. Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, in verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry into the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Father, I just thank you today for your word. Lord, I'm asking you to open our ears. Let us hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us, God. And I pray today, Lord, as we read this and study this, that you will impart our lives uh, with power today. And so last week, we're just going to do a recap. Jesus is... Uh, we know according to Scripture, according to Paul's writing in Corinthians, that after the ascension, I, I mean after Jesus rose from the dead, uh, that he was seen by over 500 people. We know that according to the account of what Paul writes, that he was seen of over 500. So that we know that uh, Jesus told, I believe he told all 500 to get to Jerusalem and wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit. We know that while Jesus was on the earth that the, the Holy Spirit was uh, descended in the form of a dove and it remained upon him. So the Holy Spirit was upon his life while he was on the earth. When Jesus ascended back into heaven on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost means 50 days after Passover. We're about to celebrate uh, Passover, I believe, next week. 
But 50 days after Passover is the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God came upon them. Now, how many knows this, that we have covered this, but for the sake we had many out last week, so we'll say it again. Jesus did the miracles which He did as man anointed by God on the earth. Would we all agree with that? He did not raise the dead as God. He raised the dead as man anointed by God. We know that according to Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit who went about doing good, healing all that was sick and oppressed of the devil. How many believe healings for today? All right, we believe that. All right, so how did Jesus do what he did is he did it as a man yielded unto God and full of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to go through the, I went through two of these, uh, really one we read, I think the other two we, we went through real fast. I want to go through the four counts of, 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 of the, where the Holy Spirit came upon a person's life after the day of Pentecost. I'm going to go through the four counts uh, found in the book of Acts. One of the things we said is that the first I want you to notice is that this is an experience that happens after salvation. It's quiet in the room. This, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is, is in the four accounts that we're going to read, is, is a similar, it is a, uh, it is a separate experience than from the salvation experience. Now we know this, that when we get saved, that the Spirit of Jesus Christ is alive in our hearts. Would we all agree with that? Paul's writing says that in the book of Corinthians, that no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So if you're, when, you're, when you're lost, um, the Bible says we're dead in the trespasses of sin, according to the book of Ephesians. But it says once, we come, once the Holy Spirit draws us, or the, Jesus draws us to the Father, and once we're born again, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, is alive in our hearts. Are you with me now? But there is a separate experience where we become full of the Holy Spirit, or we become empowered by God to do the mission in which God calls us to do. How many knows that if you're in this room, if you're alive on the face of the earth, there is a mission that God chose before the foundations of the earth that you're going to do on the earth. So the empowerment comes to for us to be able to do that mission. How many knows we can do nothing? Even Jesus could not do what he wanted to do on the earth. He said that he could do nothing of himself. Only that to which he's seen the Father do is that to which we, he was empowered to do. So you and I need the power of God to, create, to do the mission that we have. So the first thing is, it's a separate experience. Second of all, those who witnessed the infilling both saw and heard evidence that the Spirit's present was present in a new believer's life. So in other words, there had, to be, um, there had to be something that came up when every account that we're going to read, when, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, something manifested. Got awful quiet in here. How can we go from dancing and shouting to quiet? Got wore out, I guess. All right, listen. There had to be evidence. Now, one of the things, I've, I've said this again, and I will say this today, and I'll clear it up because I say this a lot here. As growing up in the Pentecostal church when I was a little boy, the first thing that we looked for, it, we just waited to see if someone could speak in tongues. 
Now, I do believe that primarily because of what we have in the Bible, the primary examples of people being infilled or empowered by the Holy Spirit was tongues and prophecy. We would agree with that in this room. We're going to read the accounts in a minute. But just because a person speaks in tongues does not mean that they are full of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me in this room? I know people who speak in tongues that is not full of God. The Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine 29 that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. If you speak in tongues, that tells me you've had an encounter with God. And because you've had an encounter, He gave you a gift. And He's not an Indian giver. And that gift is still at work in your life. But to be full of God means that you are overflowing. A lot of us in this room, and probably me, are not overflowing with God. But we sing the song, Father, we're hungry for you. We want you, God. We want you to come in this place and fill us. When you are full, that means you have overflow or excess in your life. That means you have something that can get off of you on a co-worker on your job. Are you with me now? That means when you're in Walmart, you are contagious and the kingdom that is on the inside of you will begin to touch somebody outside of your sphere of influence. Now, let's look at this. All right. Go to the book of Acts chapter 8. We're going we're gonna to look at the first account. Now, we know in Acts chapter 2 that the Spirit of God came as a rushing mighty wind, filled all the houses they were setting, cloven tongues of fire set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. All right. Let's look at this in Romans, I mean, uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Let's start in verse 1 so that we can uh, just, uh, it'll be a good place to start. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At the time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all, all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc on the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Look at this. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Look at this. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame and were healed. And there was great joy in that city. First of all, Philip goes down. He's preaching Christ. The Bible says that the people had they, they seen and heard the message which he preached. One of the things that, that while the Western world... Um, um, I mean, the, the, the eastern world over where Heidi's ministering and other people where she's at in Mozambique, the reason why hundreds are coming to the Lord is because the people are not just hearing a message. They're seeing a message. Here in South Georgia in the Bible Belt, most of our people hear a message. They never see a message. 
My life did not get changed by hearing a message. It is when the message became flesh and dwelt amongst me, that's when my life began to change. Are you with me now? And so the the Bible has to come into our lives just like John 1.14 says that it became flesh and dwelt amongst us. When, when When we preach healing, we've got to see healing. Are you with me now? We, most of us preaching are like vacuum cleaner sales when we tell you how great a vacuum cleaner it is, but we never demonstrate it. If it was ever demonstrated, you would want to purchase the vacuum cleaner. So the, so the preaching of the Word has to be demonstrated when we say we believe what we believe. I'm going to preach on the Holy Spirit in a minute, and, and we're going to demonstrate it. And people in this room will be empowered by the Holy Spirit if you want it. So Philip goes down there and he preaches Christ. He doesn't preach his denomination. He's preaching Christ. Him crucified. Christ means Christos, anointed one. He's not preaching baby Jesus in the manger. He's preaching a resurrected Jesus that has all power and all authority given unto him. He's driving unclean spirits out. He's laying hands on the sick. Now let's look at this. Verse 14 Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now listen, what happened? Philip the evangelist goes down. He leads them all to the Lord. He's preaching, running revival. He's going to stand up and say, how many in this place don't know the Lord Jesus Christ? They'll raise a hand, come down to the altar and give their life to God. They saved. They have received the word. After they received the word, what does he do? He sends Peter and John now look at this. They look at the they they don't just send anybody. They send Peter and John, and they go down there and say, "Hey, listen. They have received the Lord. You need to go down there and lay your hands on them so that they'll have power to live what they just received." Lord, I'm, I feel like I'm having a primal well. They're gonna have to have power to to live what they what they just received. Now, how many knows this? That what I'm talking about this morning, I'm not looking necessarily for you to speak in tongues. I'm not looking necessarily for you to, to prophesy. But what I am looking for is for you to have power to live victorious in this life. My God, we got a church trying to cope with everything. We got a church that's medicated, trying to cope with this and cope with that when there is power to be delivered and walk away from that. This is what we're preaching this morning. We're preaching Christos, Jesus Christos, the anointed one that gives us power to overcome in this life. Hallelujah. To the seven churches he wrote in Revelation, he said he that has overcome. Listen, God wants us to overcome and live in victory in this life. We don't have to live defeated. We don't have to live sick, broke up, jacked up. We can live in victory in him because he paid the way for us and sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to live that way. My God, I'm hollering. Listen to this. They have only been baptized. Now in this room, there's people with certain gifts. Do you believe that? Now I believe that Peter and John had the gift of laying on them hands to see people feel. Why did they send them to? Why didn't they, why didn't they, send, why didn't they send Bartholomew and Matthew? Go down there and lay hands on them. No, they sent Peter and John. Peter and John was always in the group together. You remember at the gate called Beautiful, they go through there and snatch a man out of a crippled man up and tell him to be healed. 
So these men must have had, they must have carried an anointing and a presence on their life to lay hands upon people to see them in power. So now they get down there, they, they, they have received the word, they, they got, they've received salvation, they're born again, and now they, Peter is going down there and, and to lay hands upon them uh, to see them be filled with the Spirit. Now here's the deal. Some would say, well, you know, Pastor, I don't have to do all that. I could just sit there with my hands folded. You know, worship is an inward thing. It's amazing to me the people that tell me that to go to a football game and their worship of their team is not an inward thing. Hello. <laughs> go watch my son play Little League Baseball. It's not an inward thing with me. It's an outward thing. Are you with me? Now look at this. Now, if you got it, onlookers will be able to say, she got it. If anybody, a lot of times in the, in the altar service, I say, there it is. What I saw it with my natural eyes. Now, look at this. So now Peter and John's going down. They're going to lay hands when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had fallen upon none of them. Look at this. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They're saved. They got water baptism, but they ain't empowered by God. Look at this. Then they laid hands on them and received the Holy Spirit. Now look at this. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the hands of the apostles, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. So in this account, what I'm trying to get you to see, men are already born again. They have hands laid on them to be endued with power. When they get hands laid on them to be endued with power, Simon, the onlooker, looks and sees that a manifestation has took place in their life. In other words, he ain't trying to buy something they told him that they got. He saw it with his own eyes. In this account, we do not see that they spoke in tongues or prophesied. But we know that there was an outward sign because Simon tried to purchase it. Are you with me? Now let's move right along to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 9. Let's just go on. I preached Acts chapter 9 a good bit last week. Let's go to Acts chapter 10 where I can finish this today. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called of the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day as they went on, to, on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and, wa and wanted to eat. 
but while they while but while they made ready he fell into a trance and he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth wild beasts creeping things and birds of the air and a voice came to him rise up peter kill and eat but peter said no not so lord for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who came, uh, the, the, men, uh, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to this house and to hear the words from you. Then, they invite, then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and when he had called to them to gather his relatives and close friends, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up and saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to him, You know how unlawful it is for a Jew, Jewish man, to keep company with with." Uh, with or go into another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Let's stop right here. I'm reading a bunch of scripture, so you won't have to read it tomorrow or Tuesday, okay? Listen, Peter is in a vision. First of all, God came to the Jews. We all agree with that in this room. According to the book of Galatians, you and I have been grafted in uh, um, as Gentile believers and where there's now no longer two but one new man in Christ. Are you with me? So Peter is seeing in a vision. First of all, he knows that it is unlawful for him to hang out with the Gentiles. He believes that God came for the Jews and that the gift of salvation is only for the Jews. It's sure not for a Gentile believer. A, a Gentile person. Now, a Gentile is down here honoring God, is praying, and he see he hears an angel tell him, go sin for a man named Simon. Listen, God will always bring you to a people that have more than you have. I remember in however long it's been out, but Bill Johnson's first book, why, um, When Heaven Invades Earth, he writes in there that wise men will still travel for the anointing. There is people in the earth walking with more than what we have. That's why she went to Sarasota. There's a lady walking in more than what we have right here in this room. So you travel and you go and you find that you're not seeking the person, you're after what's on the person. A lot of times we get, well, they follow the man. No, I'm following what's on that man. Lord, it's awful quiet in here this morning. So, so, so 
Cornelius is hungry, but he's got to go get a man that's walking in more than what he has. And as he goes, get, listen, this man don't even believe it's available for him to even have it. So he goes up to prayer. God puts him in a trance, and he lets this sheet come down, and he tells him to rise, kill, and eat these animals. And he said, Lord, nothing unclean. Listen, I'm not putting something unclean in my mouth. And God shows it to him three times. So as, he, as Peter is going down to Cornelius' house, he, he gets revelation. Hey, God was not telling me that I could not eat spare ribs. God was not saying that I couldn't eat crab legs. Praise God. What God was saying is, hey, what I thought was unclean, He's now made clean through the cross. Are you with me now? He's now made this man to have the availability of what we're walking in. So Peter goes to his house and he says, listen, it, we, fit, we fit to tear everybody up. You, you follow what I'm When I enter, it is really unlawful for me to enter into your house. You are a Gentile. I am a Jew. I'm full of God. You're wanting what I have. I don't even know if you can have it. And so as he is conversing with them, Peter begins to teach about Jesus Christ to them. He begins to teach about how Jesus was ascended, in, how he died on the cross, ascended into heaven. As he begins to talk, the power of God hits them and fills them with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. Which I, I said this, as growing up in the, in, the, in the holiness church, we taught this, that you had to be saved. Then you went through a sanctification process, and as that process was complete, then you were a candidate to be filled with the Spirit of God. Now I want to ask you this, I believe this, that once you are saved, you are a candidate to be filled with the Spirit of God. Regardless of what's going on in your life, we were taught, well, he only falls on a clean person. Listen, all of us in this room are unclean, in need of grace and mercy. Hello? Listen, and if you want to be free, the very thing you need inside of you is the Spirit of God. Those things that you cannot seem to shake and you're trying to shake them loose before you get the power of God. Listen, I'm here to tell you, get the power of God and then you'll shake them loose. We, the church, want people. How many of you get a shower outside? You've been working in the yard all day. Y'all with me? It's springtime. Trying to get the yards in shape because we've got to compete with the neighbors see whose grass looks the best. Are you with me? So, you're, you're, you're dirty. you got pot and soil all over you. How many take a shower outside before you come in? No. You go right on into your house. If you got a mud room, you use that. If not, you go on in and get in the shower. But why is it the church wants people to clean up before they come in? Why don't we just bring them in here, allow them to experience the presence of God? They'll get rid of it on their own. The last time I read in the book, listen, my job is to preach the gospel. It's his job to clean their life up. That's a good word right there. So listen. Now Peter is why I believe that God filled them with the Spirit of God because Peter probably didn't have the faith that they could get full of God. So he, he bypassed the first two steps. And let me just say this, God is God and He can do what He wants to at any time. He's comfortable being Him. He don't mind. And I'll say this too, that God will never violate His Word. He will never violate His Word. 
but he does not mind violating your understanding of his word. My gosh, that's good. That was worth the $3 right there that you gave this morning. You know I'm cutting up. <laughs> All right. So listen, let's look at this. Um, where we're finishing at right here. Let's, let's look at verse 28. So he said to them, You know that it is unlawful for a Jewish man to keep company with, with one to go to another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I, as I was sent for. I, I asked them, For what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and, and, and at the ninth hour I prayed, and in my house, behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon, here whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea, where he, when he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent, I, so I, I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things that commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, I true, I, in truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. And that word you know which was proclaimed throughout all of Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good, healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that this is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness through his name. Who, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on, on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he then commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they asked him to stay a few more days. Here in this text, I want you to go to Acts chapter 19. I'm going to finish right here in this uh, portion of Scripture. But how many knows when the Spirit came on them, they all witnessed something happened in that room? Are you with me? All right. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. Now it happened while Paulus was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to them, We have not as so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. 
He said to them, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. This is on Christ Jesus. Now when they had heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, Let's, let's look back at this at Ephesus. Paul is journeying through this region. He comes across some disciples of John. How many knows that they, they had not heard of the Holy Spirit, nor had they heard of the message of salvation? They were still operating under John's order. You with me? All right, so when Paul finds out that they're disciples, what I want to note, take you to notice is, what is the first question he asks them? Are you endued with power? He doesn't ask them, what is the first question we ask people? Where do you go to church? Because we're trying to categorize them. I need to know if, you know, because we, 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 we um, planted a church in, uh, where we were pastoring previously for seven and a half years. We were there and planted that church. And every time I would speak in front of the community or anything, they would always try to corner me. What denomination are you? I'd always tell them I was free will Baptist. I said, I'm free will Baptist. I mean, I believe in the free will. But listen, the, mo- the, po- the question we try to ask people are, where do you go to church? Do you know that there's people that go to church that don't know God? There's people that go to church every time the doors open that do not know God intimately. That do not have a real relationship with Him. They got a relationship with the church. The Bible doesn't say if a man be in church, he's a new creation. It says if a man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And so when Paul found these believers, he asked them, said, have you been filled with the Spirit of God? Now I'm going to give you my my story right here just in a brief uh, uh, deal. On February the 2nd of 1998, I had an encounter with the Lord. On a Monday afternoon, February the 2nd of 1998, I had graduated high school. I was a heathen, was raised in church. I was nowhere looking for God on February the 2nd. I mean, I had my, I was, I was doing my deal. The power of God fell on me in the middle of a dirt road bearing underground uh, telephone cable. I just um, got hired on uh, at the phone company, been there about three months, and the Spirit of God fell on me. Deep conviction fell on me, and I knew what conviction was like when I used to go to church with my mom. My whole household was backslid. My dad was an alcoholic. My mom sang Southern Gospel every morning on a karaoke machine. That's the only gospel we had in our house. And so the Spirit of God fell on me, and I, I just I remember thinking, my God, I was so heavy. Um, um, and so, but anyhow, I went to my uh, went straight home. I did not eat that night, which was a sign, wonder, and a miracle. And so, uh, I'm not one of those guys. You know, people say that they work real hard. They just work so hard they forgot to eat. That's never happened. I guess I've never worked hard, but I don't forget to eat. I'm telling you, I'm counting it down. Hey, it's lunch break. You know what I'm saying? But listen. So, um, so I get in my bedroom that night. I, d- I remember I did not eat, and so I'm in the bedroom. And how many knows that your grandmother, a lot of our grandmothers will buy us the, it's like the, the little bonded leather, or really not leather, the little white Bible's got promises on it or something. 
And so I remember I knew this was God. I knew this was God that was, that was messing with me. And I was trying to find a scripture in there. And I remember that I could not find nothing in the Bible. I, I just didn't know what to do. I wasn't going in there to ask my parents. And finally I looked up in my bedroom. I remember I got on my knees and I looked straight up and I said, I said, God, I don't know where nothing is in this Bible. But I said this. I said, if you'll forgive me today, I said, I'll serve you the rest of my life. And I'm telling you, when I said that, the moment I said to forgive me, I'm telling you, all of heaven came down in that room and I had an encounter with God for about three months so I start going to church and I start going to a church I'm going to a church that uh, God's moving in the church but um, they let God move to a certain degree you ever been in those churches he, he moves to a certain degree if things start getting out of hand we call it back Probably ain't going to let him go like, like, you know, man up there screaming, God, we want you. And I mean, everybody's up here just beating, you know what I'm saying? We got people on their knees with their hands lifted, crying out to God. We got people asleep in the back, you know, everything that was going on there in worship. <laughs> Lord, I'm getting in trouble. Jesus, help me. I'm trying to help us. And so I remember this. I remember about three months into the journey, I felt like the Lord, listen, I have a second supernatural encounter. I'm, I'm, I'm on the way. I'm going to a job that's about 15 miles out. I'm riding in the back of a 1997 Ford Dooley. We got this big um, plow that we plow underground cable with. It, we hauling it on a trailer, and I'm in the back, and I got a red pocket New Testament. And I'm reading Matthew chapter 25, the story of the ten virgins. And in, when I'm reading that story, all of a sudden the Spirit of God comes in. I didn't know what it was. I'm just telling you, the men disappeared that was in the truck with me. I'm there alone and I hear a voice tell me, go tell the church to get on fire. I feel the Lord just come on right there. There's a real encounter in my life. And so I'm, I'm 18 years old and I hear the Lord tell me, go tell the church to get on fire. Well, I knew this with my upbringing that you don't get saved and in three months start preaching the gospel. No, we got to go through a process. I'm still on the sanctification process. And the church I'm in right now sure don't believe in speaking in tongues or prophecy. And the height of it is we would cry. Someone would sing, Michael Combs, please forgive me. We would go up there and cry. But if anybody fell out, I mean, you got... You, you, it just didn't get to that level in our church. So I remember telling my mom, I said, I think God called me to preach. She said, well, what are you going to preach? I said, I'm going to preach that story out of Matthew 25. I'm going to go tell the church to get on fire. So I remember the first time I got behind the pulpit, I told, um, um, he's actually works right here in this city, the guy that let me preach my first message. I told him I felt like God called me to preach. He said, well, good, you're going to preach next Wednesday night. I said, do what? He said, next Wednesday night you're going to preach. you got to understand, at this time I'm 18 years old, I didn't understand why Mark said that Jesus died when Matthew said he died in the 27th chapter. I didn't understand. I mean, how many Jesus had died? I didn't understand there was four accounts of the gospel. This is where I was at. And I remember getting up that night behind there, but scared to death, shaking, didn't even, I mean, preached just for a little bit and sat down. And then I remember I was able to preach at a graduation ceremony. Um, of the class that came behind me and all these people was like, I cannot believe that John Bagley is preaching the gospel. I mean, I'm telling you, this was a Saul of Tarsus conversion in our community. Am I telling these people any lie? I got one school teacher that retired because we came through her class. 
And she was at the Baptist church, and when she heard I got saved, she sent this long letter to my house. She said, I'm telling you, I can believe God for the miraculous because I would never believe God could ever get a hold of you. And it was maybe about eight years later, I was running revival, and she came, and uh, she had bad back problems or whatever. We laid hands on her, and God healed her back. Listen, God can do anything. No person is too far gone. So... I, I'm, now I tell my mom after preaching this I mean I totally blowed it so I, I mean I just, I just I told my mom I said I don't think I'm called to preach listen to this if you called to preach you will never lay it down it is a fire that burns within your bones you will do it for no money no recognition you're going to preach the gospel so then I got an aunt she's at a church that they preach a little more than what our church is she buys me a book by T.D. Jakes called Anointing Fall on Me. She said, you need to read this book. So then I realized that if I'm going to preach the gospel, i got to be empowered to preach the gospel. Are you with me in this room? You're awake. you got 10 minutes right here. Listen, if you're going to preach the gospel, if you're going to do a work for God, you got to be empowered by God. Show me a man in the book that did something great for God or a man in the earth doing something great for God that was not first empowered by God to do what he does. Last night, you, Heidi Baker is a lady that's in, that was raised in Laguna Beach, California in a prominent family, had money, Leaves everything and go go live in the dirt in Mozambique. Until she went to Toronto in 94, 95, somewhere around in there. Until she went there, they had one little, a few little old measly churches over there and couldn't get anything done. She goes to Toronto. And Randy Clark is behind the pulpit. She runs down out of order. The hungry always get fed. Listen to me. The hungry always get fed, and the thirsty always get watered. So you listen, I'm not trying to get on to you, but you could sit back at the back and not get engaged in the river. Don't wonder why you didn't get it. It was there. You had opportunity to get it. You just didn't get your pail down in the water. All right? So... Randy Clark, this little lady, she runs down there. And as she runs down there to the thing, I mean, she collapsed at the front, causing all kind of commotion. Randy Clark leans over and says, do you want Mozambique? She hollers out, yes. And he said that God, God will give you the nation of Mozambique. Not only is it going to endure you with power, but God's going to heal the sick. He'll even raise the dead through your ministry. She goes back. Nothing happens for one year. After one year, she sees her first blind eye open. Now she has seen thousands of blind eyes open, thousands of deaf ears open. At the time that Bill Johnson wrote, um, when heaven invades earth, they was over. Over 400 people raised from the dead in Mozambique through their ministry. You can tell in America, though, they don't. Listen, i just tell you one, just because I just feel unbelief in the room. There was one story that Heidi Baker and them got, their translator, their translator died. They were doing a conference or whatever, and the translator died. She showed up at the conference like 12 hours late. She said, I'm sorry, our translator died, and it took us 12 hours to raise him from the dead. See, but you preach that down in South Georgia. People don't believe that. Well, then don't believe the Bible because there's raising of the dead in the Bible, in the New Testament. So I realized I got to have some power to do this thing. So I got some cousins 
that they're at a church about 10 miles down the road. There's a young man by the name of William Bo Turner that's preaching about 12 miles down the road. He's the guy that we brought here a couple times, went to see his church. He could come back and preach again for us on a Sunday night. He went down to this little old bitty block building in Nichols, Georgia, at Nichols Church of God. Had always been that little bitty sanctuary or whatever. He's down there shaking things up. He went down there. The first thing he did was fault, but he threw the hymnals out the back door. I'll never forget. They people mad as fire. He said, we're not going to sing the hymnals. We're going to sing praise and worship. Exalt the name of the Lord. Boy, that was. <laughs> it's quiet up in this room. We don't have no hymnals to throw out there, okay? So he's going with it. Well, at our church, at our church, I mean, we was done at a quarter to 12. I mean, we know that. Because at, at 40 minutes to 12, no, at 20 minutes to 12, the piano player was already making her way down the aisle to go up there. And then if we went any longer, they would clang on the piano to let us know, hey, it's time. Y'all ain't never been to no church like that. They're clanging up here on the piano, clanging, saying, hey, it's about time. Shut it down. If you're going to get two people saved, I mean, come on. We got to go. So I go to this church, and at 12.15, he's taking his jacket off to preach. I said, oh, my gosh. I mean, the restaurants are going to be closed, man, because this joker's going to preach. I mean, I know he's going to preach an hour. I mean, now it's after 1 o'clock. And now, he, this is the first time i ever seen catchers in the house of God. I mean, he's praying for people, people falling out like cold wood. they catching them. I mean, and now it's about 1.30. I mean, we're starving to death. But all of that, listen, I said all that to say this. I go back. I left for about maybe, maybe about five weeks in that period of time. I told, I go back and I told Mama, I said, that, that's a little bit too much at that church right there. I'm, I got, I'm scared of that church. It's crazy now. I mean, they're getting wild. They people running around and they're waving flags. I mean, they ain't just raising hands. I mean, they dancing down there. This is crazy. So go back. I try to preach one more time, and I'm telling you, I can't hardly do it. Uh, so then I said, I'm done. So I go back on a Wednesday night. I'm sitting in that congregation. You've heard this story many times. A lady from the back come and grabbed me by the arm and said, would you go to the front? Well, I was scared to death. I done seen what they do at the front. And I'm thinking, I started telling no, I ain't going to the front. But I looked at her and said, yes, ma'am, I'll go to the front. And so the whole time I'm walking down there, I'm thinking, God, don't let them kill me. I don't know what they're going to do. And I'm telling you, I remember just like it was yesterday. This was in 1998. He jumped out of a wing-back chair, and when he come down, he, he was not even preaching. His brother-in-law, which was his associate pastor, was preaching for him that night. He snatched a microphone out of his hand. I still remember vividly what he was preaching that night. He was preaching about Elijah sitting up under the juniper tree. And he snatched a microphone out of him. The first thing he said is, ma'am, I appreciate you obeying the Lord. And when he said that, he pointed to me and he said, young man, the Lord says you're at a crossroads. You can go to the left or you can go to the right. But God says, for day I've called you up higher. He said, I've called you to the more. And he said, the Lord says, for I've called you to preach. And nobody knew that. When he said that, I knew he was talking God. He said, for the Lord said, I've called you to preach. And from this day forward, you will preach my word with fire because I will baptize and endue you with power and baptize you in fire. Boom! And he never, he never come down to lay hands on me. When he, when he never touched me, it felt like something kicked me in the chest like a mule. And I'm telling you, I went across the floor. 
And um, and he he knew that because I had visited his youth group and I had visited the church, he knew that I was in the Methodist church up the road. And so when 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 I before I hit the floor, I was in fluent tongues, not stammering lips. I'm talking about fluent tongues. And I remember hearing myself speak in tongues over the loudspeaker. And I remember the next thing he said is, "My God, somebody shout in this place! This boy's Methodist filled with the power of God." Listen, this is what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus. If you want to do a work for God, you have got to be empowered by God to do it. Heidi goes back after that and the rest is history. I believe, I, I could be wrong, but I think she's over, over 17,000 churches now in Mozambique in that area and shaking, listen to this, they don't have a problem with cancer. They got a problem with malaria. Do you know that where Heidi Baker is at, that is the least malaria cases in the whole region of Mozambique in that country? Why is that? Because one woman believed in the power of God. I was telling her right before the service or whatever, one of the things that turned her ministry around, there was a cholera outbreak. Cholera is like the rotovirus that does not leave. They actually put them on, they actually put them on like, Tables, plywood tables, it's got holes drilled in it. That's when it's out. You know what I'm talking about? Both ends. We don't get demonstrated no more than that. But and so what they do is they just sit there and dehydrate till they die right there on that table. And so when there's an outbreak like that, they really put them to the side. And the government told her, "You've got to leave this nation because you're bringing us more harm trying to feed these children." And this cholera outbreaks now in this camp. I mean, you're doing us more damage than you're doing us good. Heidi said this. Said, "Let me go underneath that tent, and that cholera outbreak will stop." And the government looked at her and said, woman, you're an absolute fool. If you go under that tent, you will get cholera and you will die. And she went and stood right in all of that. They were, they were vomiting and everything else. And she put her hands into, into heaven. And she said, God, what you said to me was either real or it's a bona fide lie. But I'm asking right now, if you said what you said, you said you stopped this cholera outbreak right now. And what happened, the power of God hit that tent, that cholera outbreak stopped right there. And the government realized there's something on her life that ain't on somebody else's life so this is what I'm saying there's a work that's got to be done in this community are you with me and I said this the day we're at with the schools and the high schools well, you can't be tiny Tim tipping through the tulips down there going to bring an outbreak of the change you ain't going to take a leaflet out of your bible and go down there and make a difference in the high school Here's the thing, and this is what I'm saying. Why, why do you say that? Because I want it. I want it. There's others in this room that want it. But let me tell you this. I promise you this. The very ones that say that they want it, when it really comes, you won't want it. When that happened down at Brownsville in 1995, in 1995, the Spirit of God showed up at the Assembly of God, Brownsville Assembly of God. John Kilpatrick was the pastor. For three years, he spent every morning at 5 a.m. groaning on the front seat of that church, saying, God, would you please come? When he came, there's a lot of people upset. You had people that were upset because their kids were shaking. You remember that? You can go home and Google this. It'll be on 2020. People left the church because their kid was shaking. But they didn't leave the church when their kid was struggling with homosexuality. They didn't leave the church when their kids were struggling with pain pills. 
You mean you'd rather have your child strung out on pain pills or shaking for Jesus Christ? Well, I don't know what that's going to look like. Listen, I don't know what it's going to look like either, but I'm telling you this right here. I would rather have mine shaking, quaking on his head, on his hands and knees, crawling, drooling, slobbering, whatever it takes to get him free in the eyes of God. Are you with me now? Stand up. I want to pray. If I can get some help up here, some musicians, whatever. I know this, if we're going to do one impartation prayer, Kath, don't go up there because I'm going to have her to pray over you first. And so listen, you're free to go. I won't, I won't hold nobody. I always say this, if you get done for I'll do, you're free to go. But we do want to pray for some people in this room. I want to pray for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I've asked Mr. Tom. He's going to help. Got different ones. Uh, the elders are going to help. But we just want to pray for some people in this room. I'm, I'm by no, I, I need it more than anybody standing here. And so lift your hands right here. Come on, guys, if you begin to play right there. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the day, God. I thank you for uh, the Word of God. I thank you for uh, the testimony of the Lord. Um, and God, I'm asking today that you would, you, would, you would refresh us. You would bring fresh anointing upon us this morning. You would empower us this morning. God, to do what we cannot do alone. God, we cannot change this community. Father, we can't, we can't be a light in this community with, without the power of God. Father, we, we need the power of God in our nation, God. Lord God, we need you like never before in this nation, God. We need a revival, God, a revival of holiness and a revival of power and purity, God, back in this nation, God. Lord, uh, Lord, how far we have fallen, but God, there is, there's movement in the land, God. There's movement and shaking going on in the land, God. And we welcome that here, God. We welcome revival to, to Cook County and to this surrounding regions. We say we want it, God. We want you. We want to be empowered.